Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Good morning, it's Pastor Julie, and we are in the fourth of our Lenten series, Out of the Desert, looking at spiritual disciplines. And our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Jesus looked up and saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, good morning on this fourth Sunday of Lent. We've been working through some spiritual disciplines this year with the goal of developing practices that will draw us closer to God, feed our hungry souls, and provide living water to nourish our spirits. I have talked about how I practice them, but I want you to know that I didn't start them all at once. I started with one, and when that became a habit and I felt comfortable with it, I would explore another one. It's taken me years to incorporate all of these into my own spiritual life, so no one expects you to start them all at the same time. I do pray, however, that you will be led to practicing at least one of these, deepening your faith life and drawing you closer to Christ. That's the goal of this series. For the past three weeks, we've talked about what are called inward disciplines, practices that are for the most part internal, deepening our relationship with God and growing our faith from the inside. We are now going to move to those spiritual disciplines known as outward disciplines. The great commandment is found in Matthew 22, 37 to 39. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. These spiritual disciplines help us achieve this commandment. Through the inward disciplines of fasting, prayer, and study, we learn to love God more and more. The outward spiritual disciplines help us to learn to love others, our neighbors, and even ourselves more deeply. Through the outward disciplines we will explore, we will engage others, our community, those neighbors all around us as we practice them. The first of these outward disciplines is giving. And yes, by that I mean giving our money to the missions and ministries of the church. We call that an offering in worship, but so we're clear. This is about giving a portion of our financial resources back to God to support the work of Christ's church in the world. Now, looking at the passage I selected this morning, I don't want anyone to get anxious thinking we're going to praise this widow for giving all her money to the church. And no one is going to say Jesus is asking everyone to sell everything they have and give it to the church. That is not what this passage is really about. So you can relax. It is an interesting little story, though, don't you think? We have rich and powerful people, probably men, making large donations to the temple. And then we have a poor widow, giving less than a penny. But Jesus lifts her up as an example of righteousness and piety. Now, to give some backstory, every adult male was required to pay a temple tax every year. It helped to keep the doors open, 
keep the incense burning, and the priests with a place to live and food to eat as they cared for the spiritual life of the Israelites. Our weekly offering serves essentially the same purpose. So thank you for providing me with a place to live and food on my table as well. Thank you for helping us keep the lights on, the heat and the air conditioning working, and our staff employed. Jesus never once says that these rich men shouldn't have given anything. He never says because the widow couldn't give a large amount that her gift wasn't acceptable. What he talks about is the amount each gave in proportion to what they already have and their intent in giving. The rich men wouldn't miss it. They had enough in the way of financial resources to live a comfortable life, even with their big donations. However, this widow gave all she had to live on. Once those coins went into those collection shofars, she wouldn't be able to buy food or pay her rent. Well, she probably didn't have enough to do that anyway. And that is the point of this entire story. I believe her gift is a prayer to God. She has nothing left. No power, no money, no one to support her in life. See, when a woman becomes a widow in that time, there are supposed to be relatives known as kinsmen redeemers who take them in and support them. She apparently has no one, no chance of redemption, and her faith in God is all she has now. By putting those two coins in the offering for the temple, it is a supreme act of trust and faith that God will redeem her life and provide for her as no one on earth is able to do. Her faithful giving is an act of hope, an act of trust in God as her kinsman redeemer. She's putting God first, giving to God through the work of the temple, no matter how insignificant that gift may seem, so that she has the hope of redemption. Her faith in that moment is bold, and extreme. So does that mean if we're struggling, we should just give God all we have so that God will bless us? No, not unless you really feel God leading you to do that. But the story and Christ's response to this widow's gift help us understand that giving, all giving to the church should be an act of faith and trust in God, that God will provide even when we don't believe we have enough. Money isn't the key to a good and comfortable life. It is our relationship with Christ, our trust in God alone, that will usher in that joyful, abundant life Jesus came to give us. Jesus knows that our relationship with money, like those rich men in the temple, has the ability to keep us from a deep faith a solid relationship with God. Because when we hold on to our money out of fear, then money has a hold of us. Jesus often talks about how to live so that money never has too much power in our lives. In Matthew 6, Jesus teaches about that very subject. He says, do not store up treasures on earth, store them up in heaven. For your heart cannot be divided. You will either love God or love those treasures. No one can serve two masters, he said. Therefore, do not worry about your life. Isn't life more than what just what we wear or eat or the car we drive, the house we live in, the brand names we carry around, the number of bank accounts and credit cards we have? So don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you will wear. Everyday people worry about those things, but not the people of God who understand that God knows what we need and we can depend on God to give us what we need when we need it. In other words, 
Seek God first, and then everything else will fall into place. So what does it mean to seek God first with our money and our giving? Well, God tells us to tithe. Now, the practice of tithing is not because God needs our money. He really owns it all, so he doesn't need it. The spiritual discipline of giving is for us to help us learn how to trust him and to live free from the power of money in our lives. If we want to walk with God, God wants us to know that our lives will never be what God wants for us until we get this giving thing right. What does it mean to tithe? Leviticus 27, 30 to 32 tells us, all tithes from the land, whether the seed from the ground or the fruit of the tree, are the Lord's. They are holy to the Lord. All tithes of herd and flock, every tenth one that passes under the shepherd's staff shall be holy to the Lord. So it is the first tenth or 10% of what we have. That first tenth or first fruits, as it is sometimes called, is holy to the Lord. The practice of giving an offering of the first fruits to God begins in Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel. God didn't need them to give him food and the best of the flock, but they gave it willingly as an offering to the God who had given them all they had. We see this practice in Abraham as he gives one-tenth of all he owns to a visitor we know was God. There are many more examples of the practice of giving one-tenth to God throughout the Bible. It is what God requires so that we will be free from the power of money and be able to walk with him more fully. Our giving and what we give is never a financial matter. It is a spiritual matter and reveals more about our relationship with God than it does our financial status. That's what Jesus is saying about the widow who gave two coins, all she had as an act of trust and faith. In her giving, Jesus saw her faith, her heart. It was not, as in the case of the rich men, a sign of status and wealth for everyone to see. Tithing is giving first to God. It means giving that one-tenth of our income to God before we pay the bills, before we go out to eat or buy new clothes. Giving to God first not only honors God, but speaks volumes about our level of trust. If we don't trust that God will provide for us, then we won't be able to let go of anything, especially not our money. For me, it is also an act of obedience. My giving is my statement that I believe God will provide for me no matter what, that God loves me and is working for my good in all situations, that he truly will never leave me or forsake me. I believe that God honors my obedience, especially in tithing. I do tithe. My bank sends a check to this church each time I get a paycheck. That way I don't even miss it. And I, don't, and I know that God is getting the first fruits of what he has given me. Now I'll admit there are times I look at my bank account and wish I had that money back in it so I could maybe go out to eat with my friends and family or travel more. There are times I have very little in that account and wonder if I'll make it to the next paycheck without being flat broke. But God always makes sure I have what I need. 
and has provided for me even when I couldn't possibly imagine how. And that trust makes me able to be calm when it looks like financial crisis is looming, to let go of all those wants and desires that in the end are pretty meaningless, allowing God to be the focus of my life. Tithing also forces me to budget and take a good look at how I spend my money. Another needed discipline for me. But know this, God tells us to tithe so we can truly be free and have a carefree life. And for those who think this is all Old Testament stuff, in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus reiterates the expectation to tithe. Do we trust God with our lives? If not, if so, why not our money? See, tithing is not a tax God lays on us, and it is not a fundraiser for the church. We hear it all the time. All churches want is your money. That's not true. Do we need your money? Do we need money to do our ministry, to pay our staff, to maintain the property? Absolutely. But God wants us to give because it is an act of faith, an act of generosity, an act of compassion and concern for the needs of the people around us. Now, I know the finance committee will probably cringe when I say this, but as your pastor, I don't want anyone to put money in that offering plate or send us money by other means if they're giving because they feel coerced or out of a feeling of guilt. Just don't do it. Over and over, God says that giving should come from the heart out of gratitude for what God has already done for us. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, we read, Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, what if we all smiled and cheered as we put our money in the offering plate or got noticed that the check had been sent to the church? But still, even though it is not a fundraiser for the church, Our tithes are the way God provides for his work to continue on earth and to provide for his people. This tithe is supposed to go to the church. Deuteronomy 12, 11 says, You shall bring everything that I command you to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling place for his name. That is the church, our place of worship. And this practice is continued as the Christian church was born in Acts with all the believers sharing everything they had and giving to the poor, all went to the work of the church to support the apostles leading the church and to make sure the works of justice and mercy were carried out in the name of Jesus Christ. In Malachi 3.10, God says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thus put me to the test said the Lord of hosts, see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. See, what if we could do exactly that? Put God to the test and give God our tithes, our first fruits. What could God do in this church, in in our lives and in the world if we would just seek God first and let him release us from the power money has in our lives? What ministries could we provide? What if we, as a community of faith, were known for our generous giving in the community? And every time someone heard the name Asbury, they immediately thought of our generosity because of our love for Christ. 
What if we truly believed God can do infinitely more than we can imagine if we seek him first and begin to tithe? What if? Now, as your pastor, I want you to consider taking that step of faith and tithing. Not because I want a bigger salary or because we would like to buy some new expensive equipment. Because it truly is a spiritual matter, a matter of trust, an act of faith. I want more than anything for you to tithe because I know God will do great things in and through that simple act of trust. And I can't wait to see what God will do with that gift. It excites me to think about it. There is a joy that comes with giving that we cannot experience any other way. Giving to the work of the church also connects us to one another, to our community, and makes us part of God's work in the world. Yes, it may seem like keeping the lights on or building maintenance is not God's work, but through this building, we engage in ministry. We provide space for community groups, a place where people can gather to worship and be in fellowship with one another. And that couldn't happen without a well-maintained building. So even if you're not ready to take that big step of faith and tithe that 10%, make a start. Set a regular amount and give back to God for the work of the church every week, whether you're here in person or not. And then as you grow in your faith, increase that amount, that percentage, until you achieve that final act of trust in tithing. God has so much waiting for us when we release the power of money and open ourselves to seek God first, giving back to him no matter what the amount. It is an act of faith and a statement of trust. Giving our money to the work of the church is also a tremendous act of love for our neighbors, the ones we serve in the name of Christ through that giving. Jesus himself kept no money. Judas kept their money. And after they paid for their immediate needs, all of it went to help those in need. Even Jesus gave his money back to God. And he was faithful paying the temple tax, giving to the church. Yes, He got it because God gave him a fish with the coin in it, but he paid the tax. He knew that the temple work was important to God. And look at all his giving accomplished. Follow God's command. Practice this outward spiritual discipline. Give back to God. Serve those in need. Like the poor widow, let your giving be a prayer of gratitude and trust to God. Then stand back, let the windows of heaven be opened, and see what blessings God will pour out. It excites me to think about what God will do. Amen.